hit the record. Yeah, just hit that. Yeah. We've got a little light touch of pre and post, uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, look at that lighting. You look great. Not my first rodeo, oh, right? Not my, yeah, dude, I'm a pro. Let's see if I can do that. Okay, I'll turn that one down. Turn this, okay, let's get my mixers going. Just kidding. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rocking and rolling. All right, man, let's get rolling. So yeah. welcome to Chris Hively, uh, best-selling author and uh, multiple-time uh, entrepreneur, founder, couple exits, big ecosystem builder. We'll try to get to all that and more and then hard stop ourselves you know, before the top of the hour. Um, but so Chris, I guess let's start with kind of your entrepreneurial journey, um, early days and a couple of the early uh, sort of successes and failures you had. And feel free to give a 10 second overview bio as well. Yeah, the bio I like to uh, um, share with people is really short. Um, I am a longtime instigator. There you go. <laughs> um, and it's a one so, second bio. <laughs> yeah, the one second bio. And so everything you'll hear is just me trying to, you know, figure out how to make shit better. So, um, you know, my journey, you know, I, I kind of, I wrote this book, Build a Fort, which talks about how you should kind of think about uh, doing your startups like you were building a fort when you were 10. and But really going back to that, I really built forts all the time. And I think forts are a fantastic analogy for what the hell we do. And uh, so maybe I was an entrepreneur. You know, I don't have like the selling, you know, shit door to door kind of story. And in fact, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was when I got out of college. Uh, I mean, and I wasn't one. I went to work for, you know, big uh you know, for the government, US government, and I went to work for a big $6 billion company. But when I look back inside, I was always kind of instigating new stuff, like we ought to be and like not letting go of that. So whether you want to call that an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, or, you know, I don't give a shit. Yeah. What about MapQuest? That was a thing that you yeah. have that sort of got me in trouble. Like, I mean, I just date myself because I still will be like, oh, I need to MapQuest that. And it's like, what the yeah. hell is MapQuest? I'm like, no. Well, anyway. anybody, anybody under the age of 30, it seems like these days, you're like, you're like MapQuest. And you're like, huh? Yeah. I'm like Google Maps nine years before Google Maps. That's right. Sold for $1.2 billion. Yep. You know, mic right. drop. Um, so it turns out, uh, Nick and everyone listening, if you don't know the story, is that uh, I was an undergraduate in uh, geography. I was probably the worst geographer. You don't want me on your trivial pursuit team because uh, one of the first classes I took was a computer mapping class, which is part, you know, mapping being part of geography and just pff, like head exploded. And, uh, and this was new because I'm really old. So this was like cutting edge stuff. And this wasn't, you know, the, the, the desktop computer was not even around yet. That's how old I am. And, uh, but I learned how to write code early on, which was unheard of. I was the only non-computer science guy in all my computer science classes. I probably had 15 hours and I learned how to write code. And, uh, later on when I went to, um, uh, you know, first for the U S state department, then for this company, uh, the $6 billion company had a little mapping company, about 50 cartographers in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I came in there to automate, like from a tool, you know, how do you use computers to make uh, your maps faster? But then we just started a journey about um, saying, geez, the way we get maps and driving information just is stupid. Um, for everyone who's like, you know, under 30 or 35, you used to go to like, get a trip tick. Did you, did your, did your parents ever get like- Oh yeah, yeah, I got one. I think I was like my college trips or so, like yeah. early days, like I'd have to get the AAA highlighted route Yeah. in print, yeah. In print, right? Like, yeah. and I gotta tell you, if I told you how like that sausage was made, you'd kind of just roll your eyes. But uh, yeah. that was our inspiration saying, you know, there's a different way that we can do this. and. The MapQuest story didn't start with the internet. The MapQuest story actually started with, per, first we put it on, we, we, we sold to all those AAAs. We sold a system on a computer that printed those. And then we went to CD-ROM and even like the Apple Newton, if you remember that. And then eventually it was just the internet slash and became MapQuest. And nice. Yeah, we changed everyone's, just as a cool little factoid, Nick, 
at that time, there was about 13, 12 or 13 auto clubs like AAA across the United States. And collectively, if I remember correctly, they were generating 15 million trip ticks a year. Wow. Not about you. I bet there's 15 million, you know, directions done a second today, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Well, both of those numbers are, you know, kind of surprising. Like, wow, 15 million. It seems like a lot of trip ticks per year. Like that many people call in, did the request. Yeah. Yeah. I, in high school, I feel like I had a, uh, like a, I don't even know what you call these things, like a map, <laughs> like it's like a large map, uh, in my back seat, you know, in the case I was driving to like a soccer tournament or something like just in case, you know, you had yeah. to get out the old map and figure out where you're going or driving to and from college. That was, there was the internet, but it wasn't mobility. Wasn't really a thing. So you could like use the internet to print something, which got faster than just, you know, ordering it and receiving it, but quite a, quite a thing. So we'll, we'll switch gears to like, then eco, I mean, I, we met through sort of, well, I guess you then kind of went on to the investment side of things and then ultimately led to kind of more like the ecosystem as a whole, but, you know, so you kind of had entrepreneurial experiences here in companies, well, big companies, you didn't know what you're doing or you didn't know you're an entrepreneur, then kind of right. became one and then kind of moved over to the investor side um, with, uh, I guess it was, uh, I guess, what was it first? It was, was it Launchbox? Yeah, Launchbox. Uh, and then but even before then, I actually um, did a stint as a corporate venture capital guy for that big company, that $6 billion company, which we spun MapQuest out of. Uh, asked me to come, gave me $25 million post MapQuest in 1999 and said, hey, that was pretty cool. This internet seems to be a big deal. Would you want to go make investments on our behalf? And yep. so I kind of learned how to do venture capital before finding myself, you know, reading about Techstars and Y Combinator and saying, wow, if one startup is cool, then 10 at a time should be a complete freaking blast, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, you know, just, you know, called up Techstars and, and a whole bunch of other places, including Launchbox, which was in Washington, D.C., and said, how do I do this? What's what's the magic? And got a lot of, you know, um, you know knowledge and met you. And uh, I don't know if you know the story, but like when I started this, the first two people I went to were, I found were Jason Kaplan and Joan Seifert Rose and they had breakfast with me. And I said, I want to go do this thing called an accelerator in Raleigh, Durham. I'd lived there about two, three years and said, uh, I need to know people. And so they made introductions and they made introductions. And over the course of about five to six months, I sat down with about 275 people for wow. coffee, beer, lunch, you know, yeah. whatever it took and just said, Gosh. all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to instigate again. I'm going to figure out how to make this work in Raleigh Durham. Yep. What did you like? What did you learn from the corporate venture world that made you want to go to the accelerator world? Because they're obviously different. Um, but how did that kind of evolution take place? Yeah. Well, what I learned was actually something kind of really interesting. So, um, in between 1995 and like 1999 or 2000, the number of venture capitalists tripled in the U.S. Uh, the internet brought that on. And I was sitting on boards, making investments in companies with venture capitalists that didn't have a freaking idea about how to run a company or operate. And it just was pissing me off. And so I got kind of disenamored with kind of, you know, venture capital to some extent, because I thought that all the work should happen after you did the deal. But most of these people were basically numbers guys and kind of like, you know, um, you know, just trying to negotiate a deal. And then they went to the next deal, right? Because they were just trying to like put this capital into play. And I was the opposite. I'm like, all right, now that we've done the deal, how can I help you? Who can I introduce you to? What kind of things can I share? And so when I saw the Techstars Y Combinator model come up, which was heavy on um, mentorship, I'm like, that's for me. Yep. Yeah. Plus my that's ADD, awesome. like 10 companies at a time, you know, why not? Yeah. I know I'm still like struggling with that kind of concept of should I have one thing or how can you make your one thing all the things, yeah. you know, like I really want to be like really good at one thing. But if that maybe that how can I make that be like my one thing I'm really good at is managing 10 projects. Um, it's not it's still TBD. Um, <laughs> well, it's always yeah. TBD. So, well, that's like, first of all, um, yeah, it's kind of going really like 
as I hoped it would go. Um, but it's like kind of not in the typical way. I mean, you've got so many stories. I thought I would just ask a thing and then you just talk for like an hour and then I'd be like, boom, cut it. But each time you sort of, it's funny. Like, yeah, like I was at a company, I didn't like it. Um, or, or I liked it, but I was, I, I always wanted to kind of ask more questions. And so I was suited for a smaller thing. And then I latched onto this other trend, uh, you know, with the internet. So I got back into investing, but then like, uh, it wasn't enough, you know, I wanted to do that mentorship. So like your journey kind of took you on a, a path there. And I guess, tell me what, I mean, post startup factory, and then, you know, you kind of then got into that at more scale. And I guess actually went from the next evolution was really from like do 10 companies to like really zooming back out a little further to the ecosystem at, at large, which was also a big thing. So you're maybe on all these trends, either you're on all these trends or you kind of got on them, you know, well, hopefully you weren't doing all the investments in the bubble and then it bust and then, you right. know, whatever in the late nineties, but, but, you know, ecosystems were such a big thought. I mean, right now it's kind of maybe that we're still talking about it a little bit, but it was a huge deal and a huge priority from an economic development to, you know, building innovation. Um, but yeah, how did that kind of go from the investment to, to kind of more of the ecosystem at large uh, in terms of your yeah. case? Well, I think there's two drivers and I kind of joked, I kind of dropped a little seed, you know, a couple of minutes ago, which I think I need to pick back up again. And I kind of joked about ADD and I'd never been kind of like diagnosed, but I just know, you know, by this stage, you know, kind of, later in my professional life, I just know that I get bored. I get bored after kind of three to five years. And, you know, that's something I'm very aware of. And it's just, I just manage for it. And so part of the driver is that I get bored um, and I need to do something else, um, especially something that I see that is broken or an opportunity that I really want to sink my teeth into. So post startup factory, you know, I mean, during startup factory, as you know, I just, I didn't just do the startup factory. I ended up doing a whole bunch of things, right. That all ended up being kind of ecosystem building things, right. I had a, I had a, you know, before there was Grepeat, before there was uh, uh, what was Procopio's thing, you know, that uh, exit event, exit event, you know, there was something called triangle tech talk, right. Which was my way of kind of sharing, like, let's just share what's going storytelling of the startup scene. Um, I did the big top, you know, job fair that got hundreds of people jobs, um, you know, and got involved in, you know, economic development and doing tours and telling people what this area is about and helping the Goodman stand up, you know, American underground and all those things, you know, working closely with Adam Klein. So, you know, that kind of was feeding that stuff and started to learn a little bit about what it was like as, you know, hands on with our own Raleigh Durham ecosystem. Post startup factory, I did what you're supposed to do. I just started kind of bouncing around and talking to people. And at one point, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the Techstars guys, trying to convince them to replace us, um, to replace the startup factory with a Techstars accelerator. And I'm out in Boulder and, you know, no one's paying me for this. I just think this would be the next thing that we should do. And, and uh, as I joke with my wife, um, you know, I went out there to convince these guys to come in. And the next thing you know, for the first time in 20 years, I'm going to go work for somebody else. And, and Nick, the, the, the story goes is that I'm sitting with Brad Feld, who's a guy that I you know admire and has written a lot of books and kind of a, a guru on startup communities and, and uh, obviously lots of other things. And he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, one of the thoughts I have is that there's 14 cities of size within a four-hour drive of, of Raleigh-Durham. And they all come to Raleigh Durham kind of, you know, and you've seen them all kind of go like, how do you do this? What do you do? We want to, we want to build this, you know? And I said, I'm thinking of helping them. And Brad said, well, David Cohen and I have been wanting to do this for a year or two. Um, uh, and we need someone to kind of, you know, work with on it. Do you want to do it? And except we want to do it for the world. <laughs> yeah. And, wow. and the answer was, uh, of course, you know, of course I'm going to do that with you guys uh, for the world. So that's how kind of, and the idea was pretty simple. How do we take all of our experiences and all our thoughts about what makes for a great startup ecosystem and how do we help others you know, achieve their goals in terms of building their um, ecosystem? And that's the business I built in Techstars for the last four and a half years. That's great. How many ecosystems have you built? Is that how you quantify it or what's the KPI there? Yeah, well, geez, that's like a whole other thing. So okay. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a proponent that you there should not be KPIs for building ecosystems that actually most of the times when you come up with KPIs, 
is the tail wagging the dog and you end up doing things that aren't the most productive things for your ecosystem. We can go on to hours about that, but um, I think I counted today. I've, we've, we've had some kind of three month to three year contracts in 14 cities um, from Fort Wayne, Indiana to Lima, Peru uh, from, uh, you know, Kelowna, British Columbia to Taipei, Taiwan. And uh, yeah. And everything in between. That's great. Well, and I guess that's a great point. I mean, I think if you, if you do a KPI, that's sort of like standardizing it and that's sort of the opposite of an ecosystem, which is supposed to be kind of holistically developed um, based on what's around it. Right. Like yeah. even in nature, you know, it's like which trees are native to here and then which sort of like that sub plant and then that sub sub plant that then feeds each other. And you can't just be like, well, you have to have this. Cause what if that doesn't fit in? Exactly. Um, yeah. You can't force it. You can't engineer it. That's a, uh, we call that the kind of top down uh, command and control approach. And that is completely the wrong way to do it. Um, Great startup communities and entrepreneurial ecosystems are kind of ground up. Um, They, you want to create connections as possible and you have to kind of let go of the control um, aspect of this because you cannot engineer an outcome in a startup community. And so what did you, I guess I just said you don't measure KPI, but like, what did you measure or what like kind of gave you sort of that sense of purpose? Like just going in and getting a contract and leaving is kind of like mercenary, right? But you weren't that, right? Because it wasn't, Try that's not, not <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, you know, you, it wasn't about that, right? It was about more than just that, but what, how did you sort of like loosely um, kind of understand either A, how you, if you were successful or B, just what was kind of the purpose or why behind it? I, I assume those were related, but maybe not. Sure. Well, let me first address that there are some kind of measurement pieces, some KPIs, goals or whatever that are pretty standardized and clear. We'd like more entrepreneurs. We'd like those entrepreneurs to be more successful. Now, how do you define success? Um, We'd like to see those uh, entrepreneurs, you know, so you could measure things like exits, which is dangerous because you can't force an exit and exit is typically seven to 10 years down the road. Um, You could Uh, Some people uh, measure the amount of venture capital, but let's look at two examples in uh, in Joe Colopy of Bronto and and um, and uh, Sharefile Jess Lipson, neither one raised venture capital and both had huge exits. Right. Mm -hmm. So measuring venture capital shouldn't be necessarily the thing. Um, A lot of economic development folks want to measure jobs right? Like net new jobs based on this. But, you know, you look at Instagram when it was sold to Facebook was uh, they had 13, 14 people in the company, yet that was sold for a billion. So, you know, all of these things kind of create this conflicting view. You know, the things that I try, you know, the one thing I do like is I do try to measure and keep track of kind of net new entrepreneurs. Because if you're doing the job right, you got to open up the top of that funnel and there has to be more entrepreneurs in the system. And that was actually my goal 10 years ago in Raleigh Durham is, you know, I could write, I could try to raise a venture fund. I could try to do all these other things. You know what? I, I want to go right to the core I, from idea to launch. How do I get more people to make this leap? Um, and in most developing or emerging ecosystems, not let, yet leading ecosystems, you're never, you never have enough entrepreneurs. So that's the one thing I measure. And then the other thing that we measure a lot is how connected are, is the ecosystem. And that gets pretty geeky, but we're, and I can't tell you we figured it out, but those connections seem to drive more entrepreneurial success than anything else. Yep. That's cool. So, you know, how, I guess we'll get to the next phase here in a sec, uh, but, you know, how, I mean, what were the date? I'm just trying to think of, you know, some people might be on that path of a company to company to company. Others might be startup to startup to startup. But even if you're in that startup path, there seems like there's these different ways and, you know, the younger folks might not like be thinking about that, but you couldn't just start out as an ecosystem builder, right? You couldn't just be like, oh, I'm going to go start out doing that. Or you couldn't start out running an accelerator, right? So some of that came from hard won experience, but not everyone's going to go that route, right? Some might go and just stay, I want to do my next company and I'm just going to kind of stay focused. Is that like a byproduct of, you know, the real or metaphorical attention deficit disorder or just like, or or what is that? Because I think, I mean, I'm in that camp too of like, 
yeah, I need to do one thing. I'm like, oh, well, I can't really do one thing. I mean, I just, I've got five meetings today. They're five totally different businesses and this interview. And I try to get one other right after so that I can like do my content for the month. But, you right. know, it's like how, you know, in terms of experience share for others thinking about where they're going on their journey, you know, how, like, what are the, you know, when you look at yourself, what do you think the kind of flip side of that might be for someone else, you know, in terms of where they're going? Well, all I can share is my own, you know, adult mind and how I have tried to manage this over the last years. And this is, you know, obviously something you and I've talked about a lot, you know, for years when we, we sit down and, and just talk about our lives. You know, the thing that I got to a number of years ago um, is uh, like the power of three. And uh, it turns out Brad Feld has the same fascination with the number three. It's a really, you know, it goes back, there's lots of deep shit and all this stuff. But for me, I just said, I can't have more than three things that I'm kind of the lead driver on. If I do more than three, I get to a point where I've kind of sliced up the thing, you know, my brain too much, right? And no one's not, not any of the thing is getting. Um... So I actually hold to that pretty fast. And when I get to an opportunity where I see I want to do something new, then I have to tell myself, what am I going to discard? It's kind of like some people do that with clothing. If I'm going to bring a new piece of clothing in, tell me the piece of clothing that's going to leave right? Like I have to like, it has to be always be net zero. Now, if you listen to me carefully, I said the things that I can lead, that doesn't mean there's things that I can participate in, right? But for my brain, like to wake up every day, figuring out how do I move this thing forward? I have to limit that to three things. Um, and then everyone else fights for kind of, and so I, I'm a big calendar block guy. You know, I allocate certain hours of the day for certain things. And that's how I've survived. Um, that may not address kind of the ecosystem versus company versus role. I mean, that's a personal thing, but uh, I don't know. Is that helpful? That's totally helpful. Yeah. And I, it's also kind of, you know, I don't know, it's sort of you, you saw like you identify, you didn't know what it was at first that you kind of were gravitating towards. You just started doing something in that area, maybe as one of your three or one of beyond three of just kind of being involved, but then you've kind of did a lot with that. Um, you know, like uh, investing should be more than just, I write a check and move on. It should be getting involved. So what exists? Oh, I've seen these other models. Let me now do that model. And yeah. then, Hey, these other areas are always asking us for, or even those little sub side projects that you had, right? I mean, like the, we need this, I'm hearing it. I'm going to get involved and then I, I do it, right? Go ahead. Right. I mean, there's a couple, yes, thank you. Because there's a couple things I was thinking about that I think um, backstop what we just said. I remember when I had Triangle Tech Talk and I was getting ready to hire Laura Baberman to work with her. This is before she did Exit Event and said, you know, let's do this thing together. And I had that and I had the big top and obviously I had the startup factory and you know, it was getting pulled. And I remember I woke up one day and I, and I said, um, you know what, it's, I, I want to let go of, of this um, Triangle Tech Talk. I think there's others that are, come, are going to come in and fill the bill and ended up being, you know, American Underground kind of took over Exit Event and then end up hiring Laura to go do that. You know, like I could let go of that and say, now I'm, I can let go of that. I don't have to kind of lead that thing that, and in fact, the community didn't need me to do it. It was picking that thing up on its own and going forward. And that was not as important to me, right? I obviously Startup Factory was the most important thing and I can get involved in other things and replace that. So that's, you know, an exact answer about how I manage that. Um, yeah. That's dope. What exactly are you doing right now? I, First of all, yeah. where are you? Where am I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah where are you? He's, he's doing, he's, he's, he's having fun peeps that, uh, um, so pre COVID my, you know, I was trying to find a way to slow down a little bit, guys, I'm getting kind of towards the end of my career. And especially with Texas, the last couple of years, I've done, you know, 150,000 miles a year on airplanes. And, you know, we had gigs in Taiwan and, you know, flying to India and all these places, you know, and I'm just, I was getting a little tired and, uh, and then, so we decided to build this lake house in a place called Baden Lake about for weekends and, you know, occasional weeks here, uh, which is about an hour and a half west towards Charlotte. 
Um, and it was finished May 1st of last year, right kind of in the breadth of the first phase of COVID. And, you know, we're all locked down. So Patty and I locked down here. And uh, so what am I doing now? So I left Techstars, handed over the business to Ian Hathaway, co-writer of Brad's new book about startup communities and uh, kind of consulted with them for about eight, nine months just to help uh, the business to keep going. And now I'm just kind of writing another book. Um, I just took a small consulting gig to help a um, one of those 14 cities help them grow their ecosystem, uh, trying to help find some, uh, some, you know, uh, you know, there's others in our community and that ask for help and that want to understand what start community, you know, how do I bring all those experiences last four and a half years to Raleigh Durham? So I'm getting involved in some of those conversations and, um, but I'm not owning anything, Nick, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not like running anything. I'm not like building something. I've decided I'm going to take one or all years off from here on out and try to, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find second gear in this thing and not yeah. be that person. Yeah. Yeah. And no, sitting at a lake, especially now with, you know, pro Memorial day in the summer coming, I, you know, so far it's working. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. When I, when you said that, well, so you, I mean, you didn't quit obviously, but you know, you're going from building all like building entrepreneurship around the world. Right. So like bringing entrepreneurship, building more entrepreneurs, bringing awareness, like you said, there's no real KPI, but those are the seeds that get planted that start to grow an ecosystem. I remember like the Brad Feld talk from years ago, of it's the 20 year plan or whatever, actually made that yeah. his book, but he gave a talk. Well, you might, you probably were there. I don't even know if we knew each other yet, but he gave a talk at McKinney yeah. um, in the American tobacco campus. And it was around that book, but it's like, yeah, it's 20 years. So a year later, it's still 20 years. And um, so you went from doing that around the globe to like, you know, handing over that business and be like, dude, I'm living at the lake, which is another like, awesome evolution in the journey of kind of knowing yourself, knowing what you want to do, and then just kind of going for it. And now, I mean, yeah, of course, gigs are coming to you and this isn't like how to move into retirement, but I mean, I don't know, don't you think, I would think that others, maybe myself included, would be scared to take that leap. And whether it's I'm retiring or I'm just, I'm pausing or I'm going to go off and just like have something going really well. And then just actually, you know, I'm going to hand it over, take some time and, and whatever. Like, what was that all like, like, and how's that I mean, we're all in the search for like purpose and fulfillment, right? I mean, you know, yeah. what's the secret to life? You're just sort of, seems like you're just finding it. Well, I'm searching for it. I, That's right. I, I can only know if I found it. In, yeah. In, in, well, you're anta antagonist. You're antagonizing yourself, right? Like, is right. this totally what I want to do? Well, no, but definitely not during COVID. So I'll do this. I'm going to live in my lake house. Yeah. Um, well, you got to listen. I mean, you know, I think our brains and the universe sends us signals and we can listen to them or not listen to them. And we can... Sometimes people just kind of push them to the side. And I, you know, I think that's part of being a great entrepreneur is being very self-aware and listening to those voices inside our head and understanding how and where they come from and what they're trying to tell us. Um, you know, I, I, I can't, I think the biggest epiphany for me, Nick, was that I've spent the last 40 years building businesses and building high growth businesses within, which means the intent to just make them bigger every day, right? And that's a certain muscle, set of muscles, and it's a mindset and it's exhausting, but I've loved every single minute of it. But my epiphany came sometime in July last year and I woke up one day and I said, I don't wanna do this anymore. And it wasn't doing tech stars or it wasn't, you know, um, building that business per that ecosystem development consulting business, it was, I don't want to build businesses anymore. I want to get off that train. I want to get off that. And when I tell you, there's been good days and bad days because there's some days I wake up and I'm like, I don't have a purpose, you know, and it's like bullshit, right? Like you call yourself out. Um, I just have a different purpose and the purpose isn't about, you know, um, you know, building business. And what I spend more of my time doing is helping entrepreneurs. I have open office hours. I, I've had them for six, eight years. I still have them. I talk to entrepreneurs every week. Um, I just don't have my main purpose is how do I build a business for me? And because that was either exhausting or maybe that ran its course. I don't, I don't think I'll do it again, but you know, I don't know. We'll see. Talk to me in a yep. year or two. That's right. 
Well, I don't know. In some, in some ways, it's like actually like more purely or truly fulfilling kind of the, the purpose too, which is just kind of helping others. So less about, you know, building organization and building scale around that as a model and more about just like you're there and you're, you're present and you can, you can help. And that's an interesting evolution. Go ahead. Yeah. There's a, um, there's a group um, you're looking for a really great book. Jerry uh, Colonna um, runs an organization called reboot former out of Boulder. He's a former venture capitalist out of New York, Fred Wilson's old, old VC partner. Um, and I can't, I'm blanking on the book, but Jerry Colonna, um, he does a lot of work um, with, you know, venture capitalists and it's a lot of mind and like, who are you? And, and, uh, and he has this wonderful newsletter and a podcast. And um, there's, there's a, there's a quote in there and I'm sure it's attributed. He it's some, he's not the source, but he's attributed uh, and carried it forward. And uh, I think it gets to the heart of what we were just talking about. And it's like, what would you do if you didn't care like what people thought about you. And, and the version I want to spin here is a lot of us are on a certain career track or trajectory because we think that's what we're supposed to do. And my point of that is like, what would you do? And so I don't care that every three to five years I change gears. To some, I look like some ADD adult, you know, job hopper or whatever. I, I, I gave up that thing sometime in my forties, like 20 plus years ago. Um, what would you do if it didn't matter what other people thought about you? Parents, wives, husbands, significant partners, right? Kids, yep. what would you do? Um, and so I think I've become very good at listening to that. And when those things bubble up, like not fighting them off, but kind of addressing them and doing them. And so I don't, you know, if this is the thing in this moment, then grab it and embrace it because and if it lasts for 10 years, great. If it lasts for a year, great. Then you'll, there'll be another thing. Story of my life, except I just haven't been doing it. Cause most of them, like, sometimes I've, I need to like find a way to think about those in more practical and pragmatic ways. Like live in Spain for the summer has been my thing, but I'm like, well, but kids, but like house, but you know, how do we get the logistics? I think we got as far as finding someone who's in the travel business, like to start looking at places. And I think, you know, it probably took us three years to get warmed up to the idea. And then we, I think we probably stumbled with, with COVID, but right. um, that's great. Well, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the fort. Cause that's sort of a, a theme, not, well, it's from your learnings as a child, right. um, but that you've carried all the way through. And it sounds like you might have another project kind of in the works. Um, but tell me about, yeah, the book, when did you write it? Uh, what was the inspiration kind of how, how did it, do well i mean i know you're best-selling author obviously yeah the best of the guys i know that i'm talking to right now right so um i'm the top selling author in a in a in a hundred yard by hundred yard block in downtown durham yeah that's right yeah and obviously the biggest seller in probably montgomery county here there you go that's right (laughs) if anybody's ever other written a book That'll come back to haunt you, I'm sure, because it'll be like I'm someone, sure. uh, yeah, someone probably has. Probably I, as soon as I said it, Nick, I'm yeah, like, yeah. there's going to be some guy who's going to pull up on his boat, you know, it's going to yeah. be freaking like, you know, yeah. 60 foot <laughs> yacht, right? He's going to go, yo, dude, Yeah, you think right. you're the only guy out here? Yep. Um, so the build the fort metaphor came from um, a guy named Marshall Clark. He wrote the original kind of code for MapQuest. He worked for me for a number of years back in that mapping company that was pre-MapQuest. Um, Marshall and I worked together three times. In fact, he just came out this weekend to visit. He lives in North Carolina, he and his wife, Amy. And uh, Marshall and I have developed over 28 years of language and a way that we talk to each other. And uh, when we start kind of riffing on an idea, somehow he, I believe he came up with the thing, it's like build the fort. And so, uh, and the first thing we'd ask is where are we gonna go steal the wood, right? As you know, follow this metaphor, where are we gonna go get the resources we need that we, you know, to help do this. And so it just became kind of a language to us, uh, this metaphor and, and we can, you know, at this stage we finish each other's sentences, we know how each other think, but uh, that's how we've done it three times together. And so when I was looking for a way to, um, I was doing a TED talk over at Duke and I was looking for a way, I knew I was ready to write a book and I had written a bunch of 
but you know, 200 and some blog posts for Inc. Magazine. And how do I, you know, there's a message I want to find here. And the message I came back with is how do you just simplify this approach? We as adults get, we bring so much shit into our brain before we do something like, how do I spend the summer in Spain? And we just make this thing more complicated than it has to. How can we simplify? And so I thought about the build a fort as a, ma a metaphor or analogy. I don't know which one's which. There's some English person out there that can tell us, right? Some English major, but we can, you know, how do we kind of simplify things um, which both reduces the fear, gives us kind of a kind of a chart for the first three months so we can kind of explore and discover whether this thing that we're thinking about has any merit. And so that's kind of what the book's about. I wrote it in, I think, 2014 or came out in 15, I think. Um, I wrote it every morning for an hour and a half from like 6 to 7.30 in the morning before I went to work at Startup Factory. And uh, it took me between seven and nine months. It took me seven months of writing over a nine-month period um, to get it done. In I mean... I guess, tell me, I want to talk about like pattern recognition. So, you know, tell me about all the experience, not all the experiences, but you must've been seeing this over and over and over. Not only was it immensely helpful for you and your partner in crime in terms of kind of being able to break down hard problems into like simple and complex, or sorry, complex problems into simple sort of metaphors right. um, to get yourself focused and activated. Um, but then, you know, think of, I mean, I'm thinking about accumulation of, all the entrepreneurs and startups and business opportunities that you saw, was it just like everyone's overthinking it? I mean, you know, or was it, I mean, did you do like, was there research? I'm asking a bunch of questions all at once. So just yeah. take them however you want. But like, were you like, I'm interviewing people or is it just like kind of that thing that, that you just know, because you're like, I see this all the time. It's just true. Like people overthink it. We need to simplify. Yeah. I mean, I see it. It's more the latter here. I just see, kept seeing this stuff and Obviously everyone's a little bit different, but like one of the things that I write about is that we seem to get very preoccupied with the evolved dream or vision of what we're imagining. And, you know, that thing is at least three, five, seven years out and we get preoccupied with that. And I think, you know, Steve Blank um, is the first one that said, I think I attribute, uh, you attribute this quote to him that, that startups are not small versions of large companies right? They're completely different. And so, and I still, so today when I sit down with an entrepreneur, I'm, you know, one of the things I'm always trying to do is tell me, you know, break them down. Don't tell me all this, like, don't tell me everything. Tell me the important stuff. And then hopefully use that as a, as a place to say, so what are the things you need to accomplish over the next three months? Right? Because, you know, like my favorite stupid story, and this doesn't happen much anymore, but, you know, some guy shows up or woman shows up and, and uh, they're like, yeah, you know, here's my startup and um, here's my team. And I have, you know, this per, you know, here's the technical person. I'm the business person. And, and here's our, you know, CFO. I'm like, what the fuck's a CFO doing in a startup? Like you don't have anything to count. <laughs> right. It's like, they're trying to mimic, right. A big company and kind of a small version. And I'm like, okay, you don't, you're not, you're not ready. You're not, you're not thinking, you don't have the right mindset for this. So, um, it, so most of it's observations, Nick. I mean, I think if I fast forward and I probably have sat one-on-one -on -one with at least 5,000 people and probably at least 3,500 of those people are entrepreneurs in the last 10 years. So that's a boatload of pattern recognition. Yep. So that evolved dream is the key. Like, okay, that sounds great, but what the hell are you going to do tomorrow? Right. How do you start putting one step in front of the other and start building some momentum? And um, I think a lot of this, sorry, now I'm on a rant. Yeah, um, I, th I think a lot of this is what you give your, per what you give yourself permission to not do, right? It's not what you have to do. It's almost, what are the things I'm not going to worry about right now? Right. And I shouldn't because that's the evolved dream. Yep. That's great. And then how, you know, how did writing that book, change anything if, if at all yeah well i saw all, you just nod so i'm just not going to yeah. really articulate just go <laughs> well i'll tell you one thing uh as a freshman year in college i failed f failure f you know my you know english 101 at westchester 
university outside of Pennsylvania. Um, I got a hundreds on all the grammar tests, but he, he said my writing was so bad. He had to fail me. The guy's a jerk, obviously. Um, so, you know, you want to talk about, you know, feeling pretty good about being able to write a book and have people like it and get it. And, um, you know, anybody who reads it, who knows me says, oh my God, it's like, you're talking to me. You know, and that's how I write. I wrote as if I was talking and telling stories. Um, it was very personally, it felt great to be able to write a book. My dad was a huge, um, reader of books. And though he passed before I published it, you know, I kind of felt like he was, you know, I was channeling some of him and, and, you know, being on the other side of things. Um, one of the reasons why I quit is I, you know, I got, I got three book ideas. One of them's already written and just trying to figure out how to get it published. And, you know, one of them's spec'd out and about 10% done and they're all in the build of it's, it'll be a series. It's all in a build a fort series about how to simplify various things around entrepreneurship. So, uh, that feels like a fun thing. It's satisfying. And it's a way to get my message out to lots of people at the same time. Yep. Is this going to be a you know subscription like Omni sort of channel business, or is it just going to be out there for the for the consumption and, and greater good of of I guess all people who need to over who need to simplify? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, um, the way that I'm imagining it, and you know, the interesting thing, the backstory, Nick, is that pre COVID. Um, when everything was going really, really well, including in Techstars, we had lots of different initiatives. Um, we had a Techstars had launched a publishing company. So I was next up to do this series. And so um, think about, you know, build the fort and then various roles, right? So, um, you know, we're going to recast the first book and to be more just for tech founders. Um, the one I've already written is build the fort about kind of a, a practical guide to being a startup community builder. Obviously, that's a duh, right? Um, um, and uh, the one that I really want to write is um, build a fort, what I'm calling now, we'll probably rename it, but late in life entrepreneurs, like people over the age of 40 who are going to explore entrepreneurship for the first time. I talk to lots of people who are in that place. The mindset is completely different than when you're 25 or 30, right? Single, right? Whatever. Um so you see that kind of set of themes and you can imagine all the different ones that we can kind of really hone in on specific groups so that we can use a language and a mindset that is best um, consumed by them. How we get it out, I don't know. I've changed my mind 14 times and when I'm in that place, I just wait. I'll wait till the right answer seems to evolve. Yep. Post Techstars not publishing because we closed down that publishing business. Yeah, so minor setback, but yeah, we'll keep yeah. going. Yeah. What is it like? I mean, yeah, I guess what's it like to think of yourself as an author? I mean, you know, I, we, there's so much content now too. And I think I'm doing content, right? I think that was my sort of idea with the podcast was I have a lot of these convos over coffee or just sitting here in the office or whatever. And I'm like, man, I could like just record these and put them on the internet and someone will get value. Now, right now it's like nine people. Uh, and then one of them, you know, will be like, Hey, good job. And then the other eight. Hello, nine people. people. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hello, nine people. 18 views, baby. No, I, who knows? You know, one day, yes. one of these will go viral. Something will happen. And then all of a sudden people will go back to the whole catalog. Um, and that's what I'm banking on. Right. So right. kidding. But yeah, but it's just like, you know, it, it's kind of um, altruistic a little bit at first knowing that, hey, dot, 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 maybe in two years, if I'm consistent, uh, then it will have its own sort of like, it'll be its own kind of megaphone to, to you know, shine a spotlight on other things. But until then, you just have to, to do it. So how are you kind of thinking about author, you know, being an author, doing this as a, either part of your kind of career journey evolution portfolio or is a passion project kind of in between both? Um, this definitely is, you know, it's like each, each thing is like a step, right? Like, um, and this is definitely another step along, along that journey. So, I mean, I'm interested how you're kind of envisioning that as, you know. It's a great question, Nick, because it actually gets a little bit to what you asked me, you know, 10 or 15 minutes ago, which is like, what are you doing now and why? So um, if I could kind of script it perfect, I would like to spend all my time writing, doing my own podcast, getting content out and doing nothing but that. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, in my transition from, you know, 
100% all in business building and all, as I said to, you know, Patty, I built, built and honed those muscles for 40 years. They're not going to go away tomorrow. Right. So in this transition that we've been talking about, you know, I mean, like taking that little consulting contract with one of the local cities, um, it's me not being able to fully let go of the old and do the thing that I want to want to do hundred percent, which is do content, write books, put out blog posts. Um, but I'm hopefully on my way there. Right. So maybe I'm halfway through that journey. I'm still feeling like I kind of want to do businessy things. I don't know. For some reason, the content doesn't feel like a businessy thing. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'm halfway through that journey. I'd like to, you know, maybe the next time we talk and, you know, maybe I will have finally cast the last of those muscles and reformed. And, and now I have my day of writing and podcasting and, you know, writing, you know, going back to writing for Inc., which I haven't, you know, written for for over a year. Um, those are the things that I, I'd like to do. They feel good to me and they feel like, you know, it's, it, 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 it uh, might some neurons fire when I do that. Like, you know, you want to be clever. You want to be, you know, it's a way to be completely authentic for me. Right. Like you just write what's in my soul and, you know, all that kind of shit. Yep. I mean, we talked about kind of why it's important to not have KPIs in the ecosystem side. And so I want to ask kind of like, how do you measure success here? Is it just sales or if you're not in the active, you know, part of stuff, are you, you know, are you missing out on feedback or how are you going to get the feedback that you want to know that you're successful or what is that? What does success look like? Yeah. Um, well, the, ultimately that's what I think we all struggle with is what, what does success look like and, and how do we know whether we're there and, um, and I don't, can't tell you I have a great answer for it. What I'll go back maybe to something you said before is like about feedback and how do I know things are working? I'm smiling. I wake up every day. I am motivated, not obsessed, which is probably a good place for me. You know, I think you have to be obsessed when you're building a business. I'm not building a business, so I don't feel obsessed about anything. I feel like I'm dabbling and doing projects that kind of feel fun. Um, ultimately I know that, um, because I listen and I get feedback and I listen to it. Um, you know, this new project that I just mentioned, you know, last week I kickstarted it. I interviewed 20 founders in a day and a half hmm. over a half an hour period. You know, then you start getting emails back. Oh my God, thank you so much. You know, you really gave me, you know, thought about this. And some of them, I said, listen, pop me an email because I want to introduce you to someone else. Right. How do I know it's working? I know when they're when when I see them, you know, doing things or actions support that I've had an impact on their life. I think I could coast the rest of the way just on just on that feedback. Yep, the good the the good vibes fuel, you know. Um, it's yeah, awesome. I mean, yeah, that is awesome. I, I mean, is there? I'm just trying to think. Like, is there a anything to unpack around? Like, you know, move transitioning to authorship. Like, and is that a career move for others? You know, and I mean, career, like, I don't know. I mean, I use the word career. And I almost feel bad because it's like, I don't even think, I, I, first, I just think career doesn't even exist as a word, right? It's sort of like this whole balance that we have between stuff that we do that is interesting to us that like sort of helps us in the, you know, modern day economy. Um, and that makes us, you know, happy. Um, but that applies to all things, right? So family, right. friends, businesses, ventures and stuff. But like, you know, I mean, I don't know that to me, sometimes I think of like, I don't know, that feels like there's a barrier to like, oh, authorship, writing a book, like you have to have really made it or whatever. And I wonder if that's not, shouldn't be debunked, but I mean, you know, you weren't like, oh, I mean, you weren't like, a, I'm a celebrity, I'm going to write my memoirs, right? So it wasn't like, this is a slam dunk. You're like, I'm going to take a risk and invest my time. And is that something you think others should do because it was rewarding or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just sort of yeah. like, you just don't, it's a, it's not the road less traveled totally, but I mean, which is, I mean, it's kind of right on brand for you. Like, Oh, I'm going to try this, but what, I mean, should, is that an experience share that like others should like think about it? Like you have, I'm just thinking of all these people that have this value that could be unlocked. It doesn't always have to be in a book medium, but you know, like how can you, how can others be inspired? Yeah. You know, I, what did I learn? I learned that, um, if it feels good to express yourself in a book form or a blog form, like I, I believe everyone's an expert in something as compared to everyone else. Right. 
And so you, at the very least, as you get older and older, you have a set of experiences to share, right? And that's what I think a career is, by the way, is like the accumulative set of all of your experiences, right? That's yeah. what a career equals. So, um, you know, at the same time, yeah, people say, you know, the world's littered with too many people yelling too many things. Well, great. You know, well, you're not really doing it. You're also doing it for yourself. And it, and if it, it gives you a way to articulate how you think and you want to share it with people, go for it. I think everyone should be a blogger. I think everyone should be posting on Medium or whatever, you know, or if it's Instagram, like, I don't really care. Like, I think you should express yourself. And I, by the way, I do believe as a professional, it's, I believe that this is, has to be part of who you are. I think you're, we're responsible today for training ourselves because no one's going to train us. And you have to be curious about things. There's so many ways to go learn new things. And um, I think we should have a voice out there. And I, you know, if you want to continue to build your career, you should find a way to get your voice out. Now, what I will tell you, I think it's almost impossible or it is impossible for about 98% of the world to actually make money doing this. So if your goal is to make money with your writing, you know, you better be really lucky or really good and probably both. And, and definitely both if you're going to make like real, real coin. Um, I think a lot of us wish that, like you said, like all of a sudden, you know, dot, dot, dot. And someone goes, hey, this is amazing. <laughs> right. Mm, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, would I love that to happen? Sure. You know, I, you know, never have too much money. But, um, but you know, I, I think it's hard to make that, uh, you know, your means of making money. But um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. So yeah. I think I remember I, I did find a publisher um, to publish my book, wonderful woman and long time in the public industry. And I think if I remember correctly, she told me that, you know, literally like 98% of all books uh, sell let authors sell less than 500 books. You can't make a lot of money yeah, selling yeah. 500 books. Yeah. Man. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go do it. Right? Yeah, you should okay. be doing it for other for reasons other than monetary gain. Yeah, well, there's a lot of direct and indirect gain too. I mean, an indirect doesn't even mean just good karma. I mean, it's awareness and also expertise and finding that one. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, that one person it might just resonate with, and they're like, "Hey, I must talk to you," and now you're my like personal, um, yeah. you know, guru or whatever. Guru. Like, <laughs> yeah, like just <laughs> I get what. I, did I read that about, I think it was like Tony Robbins. I was kind of like, you know, he's awesome. And it's like, every time he's talking, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I totally believe this. And I think it was actually his, it was like about his like daily routine with like 12 minute workout, super extreme, like 15 minute sauna, like a thousand degrees and then like ice bath. And he has like an ice bath at all seven of his properties, yes. except one because he has a frozen lake out in his backyard. And I'm like, mm -hmm is anyone reading these details and sort of like being like, is this like not that relatable, but okay, cool. So I'll take a cold shot, you know, whatever. Um, but it was kind of talking about like early days and it was some big time VC, but he was his personal like motivational coach. And he like negotiated some deal to get like 1% of his profits. But this guy, I mean, it's like a name. I mean, like John Doerr or something. Right. It might actually be him, but it's someone who's, I mean, obviously made mega money in the venture capital world. And I was like, oh, so like just the private client business. There you go. So dude, put this book out. Someone's like, I need help simplifying my life. And they're the next, you know, Elon Musk. And you just get like 1% of the upside. Right. That's so it could happen. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but there's, yeah, I mean, that's how my feeling too. I feel like kind of a, a, a more content, isn't great when it's just all noisy and it's shit, but someone it, that's the point, right? I mean, like don't listen or don't read it or whatever, because if someone picks it up and someone gets it and it just been, has some benefit, then you have incrementally done something and you should keep doing it. Yep. You know? So I think that's all good. What, so what's the next, so are so no more staying on the book and then we'll break, but like no more like re there's not, not going to be like the revamped initial version anymore what's the publishing are you going to relaunch the book one and then move into book two or what's that looking like now yeah it depends on which day i wake up which side of bed okay. i guess um you know the the deal that texas had with a publishing company um i'm slated to talk to them again they they were coming off not wanting to do we were going to release three books at the same time was the idea a year and a half ago um, right after the election. And um, it's, it's called a series. And typically you want to release three of them in the series at the same time, the original and then two new ones. The one was already written and the other is pretty specced out. So about 10% done. So that fell apart. 
And so when I got back to them, they're like, we don't want to release a series. This is during COVID. It was too risky. So I just sat on it. Like, again, if I don't know the answer, then I just sit on it. It's not, you know, this isn't my life or death kind of thing. Um, and so I've started looking around. Um, Brad Felt just released a new book last, uh, last week that's really good um, called uh, Entrepreneur, uh, the Entrepreneur's Weekly Nietzsche the, from the philosopher. Um, he did not do this through his normal publisher. He went through a kind of a, what I call a hybrid publisher, which is what I did with Bill DeFort. Um, so he's asked me to kind of consider them for the two or three books. Um, you take more of the upfront cost, but you get all of the gains at the end. You know, your typical publishing deal, you get 15% of net profits after all the, you know, printing and publishing and all their work. Um, it's really hard to get to any, you know, and then sometimes you get in advance. You know, again, I'm just talking about the money part. I just want to figure out how to get this to the most people in the best way. So, um, you know, I could totally, you know, I could go through, um, the old, my old publisher, which is kind of a hybrid view, I could go with this group called Scribe um, that Brad's trying to convince me to do. Uh, you know, you know, there's costs and then there's upside. And you know, my thing is my side projects. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want them to cost me any money. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, so I'm not living that. Uh, I'm not fulfilling that promise though. Right now, all my right seem to be. Yeah, so I don't mind doing it for a while, but I want to have a kind of a, an arc to see that without a lot of, you know, risk that I can get to kind of break even. So I don't know. Um, I, you know, uh, I, I developed a whole Kickstarter. I never launched a campaign about around the books that could be an interesting way to, you know, you know, link to my soul, my consulting, right? Like yep. some of the campaigns could be like, I'll give you, you know, we can consulting if you buy X thousand books and things like that. So um, there's lots of ways to do this. And the publishing industry is changing massively. Um, it has been for a few years, but I really think it's coming fast and furious. And yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I gave myself a goal of this fall, post-summer at the lake, to, to make a decision as a goal. So we'll see how that pans out. Yeah. And, and I, mean, I mean, it feels like the lessons are it's, it's intentionally simplifying and oversimplifying, not oversimplifying. Maybe that's, you know, a misnomer. Like we should be oversimplifying is just simplifying whatever, but it feels like this could be, you know, yeah. Applied via a workshop series or there's other kind of monetizations, but different separate from the business, I guess, before we go, like it's, we have too many things that we overcomplicate and the forward as a metaphor helps us simplify. What are the other like main takeaways um, of the book that is gonna that we're gonna see uh, thematically applied in kind of future writings. Yeah, uh, totally. And in fact, I I want to I want to um, talk about this, and then I want you to think about how you apply it to to the to the, to the Spain goal. Mm -hmm. um, I think the secret the secret to um, my last ten years and helping to build Raleigh Durham ecosystem, as inspired by a conversation with Brad Feld in two thousand nine. I think the you know, the core to Brad startup communities and startup community way books, um, which are about startup communities, the key to build the fort. In fact, the first lesson to build the fort is to socialize your idea with as many people as possible. It's all about connectivity and it's amazing. You know, I am probably one of the most connected people in Raleigh Durham. Like I said, I've sat one-on-one -on -one with four to 5,000 people over the 10 years, right? You and I have done it. How many times have you had lunch and you just connect and you find out what each other's going on. And, you know, there's times we've done, you know, things together like Big Top and there's thing, times that I've pushed people to you, right? Potential, you know, employees or future employees. You know, to me, the whole world is about, you know, spending time on yourself connecting and connecting other people. And that's rule one of, of, uh, of Build a Ford is go out and share your idea with as many people as possible. Get that feedback. Um, you know, it's going to be rough in the beginning. It's only going to get better. And you get that to kind of 20, 30, 40 people, man, you're going to hear the same questions. You're going to hear, you're, you're going to get smarter and your idea is going to get smarter. Now apply it back to you. You know, what I, what I wish you would have done three years ago when you're considering this thing in Spain is um, just started public, you know, spread that out to the world. Um, at Texars, I know two or three people, and, and one, a very good friend, 
um, who lives in Spain and would love to, you know, you know, and you never know whether they have an extra house or they have a thing or, you know, go talk to my buddy because and like you don't know. It's very serendipitous where the spark comes from. Mm-hmm. But you in, you vastly improve the chances of something unbelievable happening the more you connect with people. That's right. And so that's the like, I don't think I've learned that, to be honest with you, till the last 10 to 12 years. I wish I knew that earlier. It's just get out and talk to as many people as possible without fear or inhibition, because you just never know when something unbelievable kind of spawns out of that. That's right. Is there, I mean, so I, I, I'm kind of running over, but is there like a kind of a, I don't want to say it's the evil dark side to that because I don't mean that at all, but I love what you just said, which is, you know, you just get into conversations and you never know, we should all be doing stuff that we like and that we're interested in and we're passionate about and you don't know what it will be, right? You might just be like, I'm dealing with this problem and someone else is like, oh, there's a solution. And all of a sudden it's like, bang, but guess what? Then like, now you've got another like business opportunity. Right. And so I've been sort of, I've just been really intentional about having all these conversations and just seeing what happens, but it does lead to a large backlog of things that could be projects. And if you want to keep two or three and you know, contribute to others, it makes it kind of tough. Right. So like, you know, when do you just like say, I mean, I guess you should never stop at three because one might be like the one that bumps the other three down a, a notch, but you know, isn't there like a little, it's not like a danger to that. I don't want to actually like end on like discouraging people from socializing ideas, but like for me, that's, it's good, but it has, it's a double-edged sword. Cause then I have like so many ideas to pursue um, that it's hard to kind of keep them and prioritize them. Well, that's to me, the two are not, they're related, but they're not the same thing. Yep. So um, I think Nick, you have to learn to say no. Yeah. And, but how do you know which ones you should prioritize unless you're out there doing what I just said, right? That's and right. I think the answer is that, you know, we can't, we can't do five things. And it's not, I don't want to move something down the notch. I actually want to take it off the table. Mm-hmm. And I remember laying in my house in Chapel Hill on a Saturday morning when I made the decision to not do Triangle Tech Talk anymore and to turn it into my blog and give all the content away to, you know, and give everything I had to, you know, uh, Adam and, and Michael about how to run exit event, including let me introduce you to this wonderful woman, Laura Baberman. Took it off my plate. Um, maybe some people that's two things. Maybe it's only one thing. Maybe it's five things. But I think you have to look yourself in the mirror and decide how many things you can handle. And and I think you know you know look into the whole metaphysical stuff. Three is a good number. And so for you and maybe for others, you know, when you're out there social, by the way, you're socializing those three things as well. Right. And you're getting, you know, and maybe you find out that, you know, one of them starting to fade both your interest and maybe the opportunity. And so you say, great, I'm going to take that off the list and I'm going to move something else up, but you got to take it off the list. That's right. Great advice. Okay, man. Well, let's, let's wrap. Um, invite to the uh, lake house party or a book launching party book signing party at the lake yeah. i mean all these things seem very you know synergistic um <laughs> socializing ideas <coughs> signing a book having an adventure at a lake um all to the good well yeah i mean great insights as always and like kind of a really fascinating journey not i mean this is about kind of experience shared journey it's not really like how to or to do right so each conversation is kind of has different little nuggets that you know folks can take away from and and this is no different um especially just kind of the we've got a couple different cool transitions um but the one thread that i saw too like just to kind of repeat back is like you know you it's funny to say because i mean you had like a million projects and one of your projects was to do 10 companies at, at, at a time four times a year or whatever so then i'm kind of yeah. like well hold on that's cheating god damn it like, <laughs> like yeah. so but um but you know you kind of knew i don't know you, you just like didn't like really hesitate to kind of just jump into the next thing and pull the plug you know on others that you just didn't feel like doing anymore right it wasn't like yeah. well i'm gonna still be a corporate vc and kind of like dabble into a halftime accelerator it's like no i'm doing accelerators and then when you kind of weren't doing the accelerator and you want to move into ecosystem building it's like bam i'm ecosystem building yeah now you're like writing a books in a, at a lake house 
like sweet um still same theme though same underlying kind of tone theme you know like helping others like um and, and trying to make in some cases businesses out of that you know and, and others yeah. just trying to trying to give give the stuff away in hopes that it kind of comes back in karma but um awesome awesome conversation i appreciate your yeah. time no that was good fun it was good fun um by the way when you recorded this and you're recording did you do cloud or local? Local. Yeah, because there's a setting. I want to make sure if you're not doing it in your setup where you record, you can record um, each of our tracks separately mm. because it's really important because I tried to put mute on when I coughed. Mm -hmm. But when you record the track separately, it's really easy for the editor to drop like when yeah. I cough. Right. That's right. And it, yeah. it's sometimes it's harder if I cough while you're saying something to identify the cough. Anyway, it's a setting in Zoom that's really easy to use, by the way. Okay. Sweet. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm doing it. Maybe I'm not, but probably yeah. not. So, you know, tips for the next time. Yeah. All right, man. Well, dude, enjoy it. If you back, are, are you like around town? I mean, I'm, this is, this is over, but so. Uh, yeah. we'll, I'll find an outro kind of clip, you know, like, right. bam. And that was another great conversation. It's lively. <laughs> best-selling author. Uh, I'm just saying best-selling because I mean, as according to who, right? According to me. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but are you, do you come to town or I feel like, are you it's getting all or no? rare and rare? In fact, okay. at the end of June, we gave up our apartment that we lived in the last seven and a half years in oh, nice. American tobacco. Um, you know, I just figured, I can come to Durham as often as I want and, and, you know, stay at the presidential suite at the 21 C and still spend less money than I was given the good yeah. family. That's um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I would come in probably once every two weeks for a doctor's appointment or see someone. And, yeah. um, you know, there's a couple little projects that were stalled during COVID, you know, um, we were going to do a start a, a bunch of us were going to do a startup week, which is a Texas inspired event. Mm -hmm. Um, we were supposed to do it April of COVID. Um, we're just starting to get the team back together. I don't know if you have any interest, but uh, sure. yeah. participate. Yeah, yeah, here's another thing. See, um, yeah. what are you going to lead and what are you going to just help mm -hmm. with, right? Okay. So find, um, I can only lead three at a time. So we're getting that band back together and seeing if we can push something together in October. Um, so I come in for that. I mean, obviously a lot of, you know, we've all learned how to Zoom. Yep. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And my, my, I'm helping my son. Uh, did you ever meet Jake? Mm -hmm. yeah. He used to bounce around. Jake's 27. Uh, I believe we're targeting July 15th for the launch of a skateboard shop in Chapel Hill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Carver, did he go actually. move out and live on a farm? He moved out to San Diego for five years. He did some farming stuff for okay. a while. Okay. He ran a couple of retail skateboard surf shops. Um, came back here, did the, did the uh, first cohort of, of uh, Momentum, mm, okay. learned how to write code, kind of liked some of it, didn't like a lot of it, went to work for Translog for about a year and a That's half, right. That's right. and then quit right before COVID and hung out and went to Chicago for three months, uh, said it was because he wanted to explore, we used to live in Chicago when he was growing up, he said it was to explore Chicago, I think he was chasing a girl. Nice. Um, when that didn't work out, he moved back, but he had already started with this really cool idea about a, um, an indoor skate park in Durham. And, uh, that's morphed into, let's start with a skate shop and then we'll see whether we can put the skate park. It's a really great idea and it's a growing industry and he knows how to yeah. run retail. So yeah. Anyway, that's a quick story on Jake. Yeah. Dude, fun times, man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's catch up again soon. Um, sounds great. Glad I could help. It was fun. And, yeah, uh, if there's anything else or you're missing anything or like you need me to re-record anything, just yell. Okay. I will. I know probably not, but anyway. <laughs> this is at the, this is the early, the 20 viewer stage, right? So we're going to get it, you know, it's going to keep stepping up at each, yeah. each increment. Right. Um, so this is the, this is the intern budget phase, but you know, we'll yeah. keep, keep it going. Keep it going. Sounds great, man. Hey, right. enjoy, enjoy your day. Yeah, man. Same. Talk to you soon. Talk soon. Take care. Right. Bye.